It is time for Streetwise with former chief of the New York City Sheriff's Department, former chief of the Seagate Police Department, retired New York City detective, Time Warner Public Access Media Award, Joe Franklin Super Excellence in Broadcasting Memory Lane Award, New York Veteran Police Association Streetwise Production, host of Streetwise, Mr. Lou Tolano. Uh, good evening and then welcome back to Streetwise. We've got a little phone issue here because we were vamping the station. We're making it, how can I say this? bringing it up to the 21st century. We're looking great. So we have some phone issues, so uh, I'm going to have to give you a different call-in number in the moment uh, when I'm uh, interviewing my great guest who's uh, kind enough to hold on the line. Anyway, he is a New York Times best-selling author several times, polit- political consultant, uh, William J. Casey Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution. Now that's the think tank, and they, it's a research institution. And in regard to uh, American public policy, today's like a watchdog, I think. But who correct me, you know, if I'm wrong? Anyway, uh, it's my pleasure to welcome to Streetwise, uh, Peter Schweitzer. Peter, welcome to Streetwise. Hey, it's great to be on with you, Lou. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I don't know how you do it. I'm looking at you know all the all the books that that you've written. Uh, I, I just want, I do have to mention them, but, uh, if I miss one or two or ten, please correct me. Uh, I'll start, I'll start with the makers and takers. Uh, I love this, Reagan's War, and then I think Reagan twice again, and then, uh, the Bushes, Victory, uh, Architects of Room, the, the, the more popular books, I think, you know, but who the heck am I? Uh, Clinton's Cash, because that's appropriate to what the heck's been going on in the last several years. Throw them out. Wow. That's, uh, is that redundant? Okay. And uh, Extortion and Secret Empire. Uh, Peter Schweitzer, what did I miss, if any? I know. That's, uh, that's a pretty good, uh, wow. uh, collection. And, you know, I, I started out writing about, uh, you know, foreign policy and sort of how Reagan won the Cold War and, then I did some, you know, political biographies, but I just got so frustrated with, um, you know, the corruption and the cronyism I was seeing in Washington, D.C. So those last several books, you know, Throw Them All Out, yeah. Extortion, Clinton, Cash, and Now mm-hmm. Secret Empires are all in this theme of how the political class in Washington, D.C., people from both political sides, uh, are getting rich at our expense. And public service uh, has become public self-enrichment uh, too often. But it's always been like that, pretty much, correct, Peter? I mean, it, it, it just seems to be the theme and the the way of life there. It does. It's getting worse, and I think it's getting worse in two ways, Lou. First of all, the amounts of money are getting a lot bigger. So, you know, there's there's the famous case people may remember. Uh, Congressman William Jefferson a few years ago uh, got caught. He had ninety thousand dollars cash in the freezer, yeah, uh, and got the got the nickname cool, Cold Heart yes. Cash Jefferson. If you remember yes, that, I do. Well, and, and listen, ninety thousand dollars is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but you know mm. what I highlight in my most recent book is. A lot of these deals now, in some cases, involve a billion dollars. That's a billion dollars with a B. So the amounts of money are getting bigger. And the other thing that's happening, Lou, is it's not just, you know, a contractor or a developer that wants a favor from a congressman. It's now foreign governments and foreign oligarchs. So I think the situation is getting worse. It's always been there, but it's becoming a lot more dire, I think, in our nation's capital. And uh, again, uh, I like you. They're pretty much doing it aside from personal reasons. 
it's connected to family. I think that's what you're saying. A lot of it's enriching themselves, their family, and probably their supporters, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, it's, you know, they've got to be smart about this. I mean, this is the problem, that, that the, the ones who are very good at the corruption and cronyism uh, work very hard to hide it. One of the ways they hide it, Lou, is, you know, they don't take the money themselves. Their adult son or their best friend takes the money instead. Now, you know, if, if you look at the bribery laws, bribery is bribery, whether I take the money or whether I give the money to my kid. Correct. If I give them a favor, it's still bribery, but it's a lot harder to track. And so one of the examples I have in the book is, you know, December of 2013, uh, the then Vice President Joe Biden flies on Air Force Two to Beijing, China, and with him on the plane is his son, uh, Hunter Biden. Mm. Uh, Joe Biden has a lot of talks with the Chinese. They come back on Air Force Two. And then 10 days later, uh, Joe Biden's son uh, gets this sweetheart deal from the Chinese government, a billion-dollar private equity deal. Uh, this for the son who has no background in private equity, has no background in China. Um, so that's a way to kind of hide it. You say, oh, it's, it's not me. I don't have the money. My kid has the money, and I have nothing to do with that. But the problem is the evidence is pretty clear that he had a lot to do. Now, Peter, would that surface, because he's kicking around, which I doubt, to me it's a joke, that he's uh, may run for president uh, down the road. So uh, things like that would have to surface. I would hope so. You know, yeah. the media is not always so good. They're kind of selective in, in, in how they focus on this. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of public attention right now on Trump, and I think you know any any national leader needs to have some uh, you know some good level of scrutiny. But you don't see the same kind of scrutiny they're applying to Trump that they ever applied to uh, to Joe Biden. And so this this 2013 deal. Uh, was really exposed in my book, Secret Empires. It yeah. was not exposed by the media at the time. And, and you know, we can bet that if uh, Donald Trump's son got a billion-dollar deal flying over with his dad on, on Air Force One to China, we would probably know about it. And I think this is what frustrates a lot of people. We need to have coverage of all of our political leaders, not just some of them. Uh, I know. Uh, a uh, recent example of, of the many examples is that when... Uh, Donald Trump complimented Putin on his re-election. They made a big deal. Look at how he's And then uh, we go back, and that's exactly what Obama did, the same thing. And the, right, In fact, right. he did it in person. He did yes. It, but that, uh, like you mentioned, they're very selective. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. And I think this is one of the reasons, if you look at the media, um, you know, the polling on the media is, I think it's 18% of the American people have confidence in our national media. Yeah. Uh, and that's a reflection of a lot of things. But part of it is this selectiveness. And, and, and my whole point is, I'm not saying don't cover stuff related to Trump. I mean, I think you need to be fair about it. But I have no problem at all with aggressive reporting on Trump. But Right. Where was the aggressive reporting on Obama, on Biden, on Republicans and Democrats in the Senate and the House? Mm. And it's just not, it's just not there. It's, it's, it's too selective and it's too obvious. And I think that's part of the reason we have this crisis of confidence in our media today. You know, it's too obvious, but yet they, they just don't give a damn. Yet it's, yeah. uh, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty much an insult to our, you know, cliche, to our intelligence. You know, uh, they're going after, it's ridiculous. They spend all this time with, uh, Stormy Daniels. And we could, we could talk about all day about Clinton, you know, from governor to Little Rock up into the, uh, to the Monica. I hate to put her name out there. And yet 
this stormy, an allegation, which went to court, which there was an agreement, confidentiality stuff, and yet that is, you know, I, I, I had that on Twitter, is that the big news on CNN, MSNBC, uh, I should say on Fox, was the, the plane that uh, uh, crashed and a, a lady got uh, almost sucked out of the plane and it was a terrible accident. Uh, but that was Fox, which you were pretty much on. And then uh, you go to CNN and, MS- and uh, MSNBC, it was Stormy Daniels. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it's right in our face. You know, I just yeah, amazing. And, and it's, it's, it's the saturation of it, right? I mean, look, it, it's, it's a story. I get it. The story needs to run. People need to know about it. But, you know, it's, it's repeated over and over and over again. And it's just been very clear, unfortunately, that, that, you know, news outlets that, you know, 10 years ago, I think, you know, had more merits in what they were doing. Uh, outlets like MSNBC and CNN yeah. uh, have, have just become so emotionally invested. Uh, in their coverage involving Trump, uh, that it has damaged their credibility, and they have no interest, no interest in covering other related stories. And I think that's uh, that's a detriment to the people that watch those channels. Now, Peter, you were a great investigator for journalists. What's your thoughts? Well, how did that, uh, you know, how did that turn around? Especially CNN. You know, how did that? How did this happen? You know, what's uh, what's the, what's how did this, uh, the, you know, their narrative or their agenda? How the heck did this happen? And why? Well, I think I think for a couple of reasons. I think first of all, you always have to look at leadership in any organization. I think the leadership um, has become more politicized at CNN. I think the other thing that's happened is that you know Trump has uh, you know really created a division in the country. I think that's obvious to everyone. Um, I think the purpose for reporters is to try to demonstrate some balance, um, but CNN has clearly decided um, that they are going to look at one side and one side only, and that is. Uh, they are going to uh, do everything they can um, to, you know, emphasize the negative points, exaggerate, you know, go on uh, rumors uh, as yes. it relates to Trump. And look, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I've said this repeatedly, um, I have no problem with the, you know, the very serious reporting that news outlets are doing. We need to monitor all of our political leaders. We need to be aware of all the, you know, potential uh, corruptions or challenges that exist. But with CNN, it's gone completely... Uh, over the top, and it's damaging their credibility to the point of when they actually do run a legitimate story, a lot of people are going to poo-poo it just because yes. it's had so much of the hype and, 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 and anonymous uh, uh, stuff that they've run that, that, that can't be verified. And it's just a real problem for their credibility. You know, when Donald Trump used the uh, the term uh, fake news, you know, all of us, many of us uh a joke and we laughed at it but now it's, now it's, a, it's pretty much factual you know it's pretty much fake news is fake news now it's just uh, he, you know he was ahead of his time you know uh, calling them out so uh, so anyway but it's uh, but what uh, but Peter Schweitz what do they what, CNN what do they have to gain by doing this I mean uh, I, it's, I don't know do they want him out they want him out of office obviously it looks like but what what is the again what are they gaining you know well, I think it's a, I think it's a couple of things. I think first of all, there is this sort of emotional investment they have in Trump because you know Trump has has, has uh, you know sort of uh, you know poo pooed CNN and he's attacked their credibility. Yeah. But I do think the other thing that's happening in news is it's become a lot more tribal. And what I mean by that is CNN and MSNBC have basically made the calculation that you know oh, the way that we get an audience. You know, on, on any given night on cable news, maybe you've got a million or two million.
million people that are watching a cable news channel. So they've just realized that rather than trying to appeal to a broad segment of the population, let's just find a couple of million people that we can get really, really emotionally invested in our news broadcast. So you've got this fragmentation of the news media. Um, and, and, you know, look, I think that's fine. People have looked at alternative sources, but for CNN to continue to kind of brand itself as a balanced news outlet that um, does not pick sides and, you know, they're the professionals and the other networks are not, uh, it's just simply not the case anymore. And I think they need to give up uh, on their, on their uh, mantra of being, you know, the unbalanced news source because everybody knows that's just not the case anymore. Well, you know, it seems like they don't know that because they, they, it's, it's, uh, it gets worse, doesn't get any better, and they didn't sort of, uh, they didn't slow down or minimize it. It just, you know, they just look for it, and like you said a moment ago, they sort of blow things up. Now, I have to I want to talk about you yourself, uh, Peter Schweitzer. How were you able to, you know, I see there's a, there's a commonality in in, uh, in your books, in many of them. That's uh, politics and corruption. So, uh, and, uh, you know, that seems to be sort of, uh, in, in, you know, with the Clinton's cash and, and the Bush Willis stuff. Uh, yeah, why is that? Am I, am I looking at it uh, differently, or is, do they touch no, on something? I think, I think you're exactly right. Hmm. And, uh, you know, look, what I, what I realized, uh, you know, going back probably eight years now ago, is that just a lot of the stuff was not being covered in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Part of it is that a lot of the reporters in Washington, D.C., they rely on politicians to give them scoops, to give them tips. And so they're reluctant a lot of times to call out people that might be their sources. So, you know, they may do a story on one corrupt politician, and that person's not really a good source of theirs, but they're going to protect others. Uh, I think the other problem is, is that in Washington, you've got a very, you know, cozy kind of relationship where politicians and people that are in the news media, they all go to the same parties together. Yeah. They go to restaurants mm. together. They have weddings. When, when somebody gets married, they all go to the wedding together. And I can just tell you, it's very hard to call out people and, and, uh, and investigate them and, and, and lay out facts of corruption when you're spending a lot of time with them. I would have a difficult time. That's yeah. why I don't live in Washington, D.C. I live in Florida. So <laughs> seeing all this, Lou, I, I really decided somebody has to, in a sense, be the watchdog. We've got a lot of lap dogs. Let's have a watchdog. So I've set up this operation in Florida. We've got 15 researchers, and this is all we do, Lou. We look mm. at uh, uh, the flow of money. It's about follow the money. Yeah. Who in politics in Washington is getting money? Who's getting rich? How are they doing it? Uh, regardless of political party, I've got Republicans and Democrats yes. that hate what we do, uh, that hate our research project, and that's okay because ultimately corruption is a human problem. It's not a Republican problem. It's not a Democrat problem. It's a human problem, and somebody's got to expose this stuff, and, and we've decided that we need to do it. Now, your research uh, project or institution that you and uh I, I, obviously, to me, it was a, a watchdog, which is great. They're making them a, a, a accountable you know, for what for what they're doing. Is that why a lot of them are seem to be jumping ship? You have people that are in, in Congress for many years, and yet they, they decided not to run again because there are people like you out there, I'm going to use the word exposing them. I mean, that's the way I look at it. 
you know. So. Yeah, there, yeah, there, there definitely are some. Um, you know, we, we uh, have exposed things in the past that have led to a congressional resignations, uh, that have led to people deciding not to run for office. Um, and I think also there's a lot of people that, you know, they've been in Congress, say, for 20 years, and they've decided it's time to cash in, really cash in. <laughs> uh, and so they're, so they're leaving. They're going to go and they're going to become lobbyists, even though they promised their constituents they would never, you know, leave Congress and set up a, a lobbying shop. But that's what a lot of them are doing. Um, and look, I don't bemoan the fact that you know people that have been in Washington for 20 years are retiring. I think it's a good thing. We need new blood in there. We need people in there that you know are not um, uh, you know wise to the ways of Washington and embracing that culture. I, I had a friend uh, who, who served in Congress for for six years. Uh, and, you know, describe to me what happened, Lou. He says, you, you get there at first and you see all this flow of money and all these deals being done, and it looks like a, a, a cesspool. Hmm. But after you stay there for a while, you kind of get used to it, and it starts to feel like a hot tub. Um, and, and his point is, you, you get familiar with it. Things that offend you at first, you're there for a couple of years, and you kind of convince yourself, ah, oh, it's not so bad. That's, that's not a big deal. It's not hurting anybody if this right. happens. So I think it's good when these people are retiring. I think we need new blood in there uh, to shake things up. Yeah, now, again, Trump is ahead of himself. He just used the term cesspool, and he's been saying you have to clean the swamp. You know, so yeah. just uh, he touches the right, he, he presses the right buttons. You know, so yeah, well, you know, for someone who's not allegedly not uh, you know a, a political type person, he is touching. I think pushing the right buttons. Well, I think I think a swamp uh, is, is is a great way to uh, to describe um, Washington D.C. Yeah. Uh, you know, Reagan used the term a little bit in the '80s, and mm-hmm. Trump has uh, has really uh, used it uh, quite aggressively, and I think wisely. And uh, you know, if you think about a, what's in a swamp, I live in Florida, so I'm I'm kind of familiar with it. I mean, yeah. if you think about a swamp, you've, you've got reptiles, you've got amphibians, mm-hmm. you've got rodents, and you've got all those kinds of things in Washington. In different forms, and then you've got the water. The water is very brackish and dark. You can't see much. There's not a lot of clarity there. There's not a lot of transparency there. Uh, uh, in, in, in the swamps, you know, where there's a lot of growth, there are a lot of vines and thick bushes, and so you can't see a lot. So, swamp, I think, is a very good description of what we have in D.C., which is not a lot of sunlight gets through. There's a, not a lot of transparency, not a lot of clarity, and you really have to be aware of what's around you because there are all sorts of people who want to keep it that way. Wow. So we're comparing Washington to where, not far from where you are, Alligator <laughs> Alley, to Alligator <laughs> Alley, you know? I mean, <laughs> it's so unbelievable. Yeah, yes. Oh, oh boy. But... Uh, what would we do? Now, I'm throwing this out because I'm going to open the phones uh, at 5 o'clock. Uh, what would we do, talk to the audience aside from uh, Peter Schweitzer, if, if we didn't have people like you out there to do this, you know, uh, people are pretty much unaware until uh, the things, your books, obviously, and when, when, you, when you do an interview on, on the television, you do an interview now. So uh, we would be lost. You know, we would, we would believe this fake news uh, stuff. You know, so uh, how did you choose this direction in life? I may put it that way. Yeah, I mean that as a compliment. You know, 
I've always been interested in, in uh, sort of trying to look around corners that people haven't looked around and, and I, I love research I love the hunt of trying mm-hmm. to figure out where money is coming from I was a kid in, in elementary school when it was show and tell I like to bring something new that other people maybe hadn't seen before so I think it's similar here I, I you know I think it's good that we have analysts that kind of describe mm-hmm. uh, what um, uh, you know, is is going on in Washington D.C. gives us an analysis of policy, and, and that's great. Um, but I like to, instead of sort of reacting to the news, I like to really dig deep and uh, uh, essentially help create the news by breaking news stories um, so that people can understand um, what's truly going on. So I think part of it's just kind of a reflection of what I enjoy doing. And also the group, uh, the Government Accountability Institute, which I had, we've got a lot of researchers that just are very gifted in this area. So it allows us to um, you know, in, in uh, you know, in, in all these ways, and, and what I would say, by the way, to your audience, um, you know, when uh, uh, you know the, the next half hour, when you uh, when you open up the phones and, and you guys have a discussion, I mean, people can go to our website and if they have to, yes, let's uh, where 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 they know about stuff, they can go to our website and, and, and give us tips if there's corruption that they're aware of and. If it's something we feel like we can look into and can be helpful on, we'll, we'll definitely look into it. Well, let's do that. What is the website, uh, Peter Schweitzer? So, they could, uh, so you, you can get there by, by just Googling Government Accountability Institute, or you can just go to cronyism.com. Cronyism.com. Cronyism, yeah, cronyism.com, and it'll take you right there. It will give you uh, information about um, our reports and the research work we do. Uh, it will give you a tip box. It will also describe a little bit more about um, you know, the history of the Institute than what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, you, are you, I think you're the co-founder, am I correct, and president of this? Uh, uh, yes, I'm, a, I'm the co-founder, co-founder and president. We've and the president. been right. around since 2012, and mm-hmm. um, we uh, we also uh, were a 501c3 uh, a charitable uh, foundation, yes. so uh, we're always thankful when people can donate to help out because we do have, obviously, research costs associated with what we do. Uh, great. Now, I just want to give out the phone number, and then I want to go back to this research. You are a researcher. I guess they call you fellow at the Hoover Institution. Uh, the phone number that you please call in is uh, a new number to some of you people out there till we get back to uh, to where we were because we're having all these improvements at the station. It's 561, believe it or not, Peter, it's 561, the call in number here, at 796-6666. The call in number for tonight is area code 561-796. Seven six 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 six. I'm going to repeat it again. Give people a chance to get a pen or pencil. Five six one seven nine seven six 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 six. And you can call in at uh, uh, five o'clock. Now, the the institution that you this uh, William J Casey Research Fellow. Uh, uh, William Casey is uh, is was he the former head of the uh, CIA? Is that the same? Yes, he was, yeah. and I uh, held that position until recently. I'm, I'm no longer the William J. Casey Fellow, but uh-huh. uh, Bill Casey, yeah, Bill Casey was the CIA director in the 90s, yeah. I'm sorry, in the 80s under Reagan. Uh, his family uh, lives on Long Island uh, mm. and, and 
uh, his foundation uh, has supported my research in the past. I've got a wonderful relationship with them, and I'm very thankful for that. I'm now devoting full time to the Government Accountability Institute, and that is, um, but but actually, one of our board members is the son-in-law of William J. Uh-huh. So we're very very thankful that he's on the board of the Government Accountability. Wow, it's so great. you know it's so great to have an organization like this. It's so uh, we need watchdogs. You know, they haven't been they haven't been in. Uh, for quite a while, talk about throwing money around. You know, what about these billions, billions of dollars that uh, that uh, we gave uh, Iran through President uh, Obama? You talk about accountability. How did that? How did that even slide by with very little? Just oh, okay, you gave billions and billions to to uh, Iran, and it's like uh, next case. You know, to me, that's a and to a, not just me, a lot of people. That's a big deal. How did that seem? To, is, is anything going to surface as a result of that down the road, uh, uh, P.D. Schweitzer? Well, it, it's certainly something we're looking into um, because what you always wonder when a deal happens like that is, you know, was there a commercial benefit that accrued to somebody in the Obama administration? I mean, is there somebody that, you know, got a sweetheart deal from some entity that wants to do business in Iran or something? And, right. they, and we are looking into that, but that case highlights, you know, one of the many problems that we have to remind ourselves of, and that is that, you know, from the president to members of Congress to people in the executive branch, right. they, have a lot of, they have a lot of power, uh, and they can do a lot of things, and they can pick winners and losers, and uh, that means that they are ripe magnets uh, for uh, people to give them corrupt deals, because they say, hey, do me a favor, I'm going to give you uh, money back, and, you know, it's the oldest story, I mean, it goes back to the, you know, to the earliest stories in the Bible of, right. uh, you know, corruption and, and uh, cronyism, when you give people power, um, it's oftentimes abused, and that's why we need to uh, have watchdogs like uh, the Government Accountability Institute. Oh, it's amazing, but how do we, you know, I, I, can't, I can't think of anything, uh, what we've gave uh, aside the amount of uh, money that we gave was all in cash. How the heck, you know? Yes. That's, uh, yes. I, I don't know. It just to me, it sounds almost impossible whether it was done, you know? Yes. That's right. And that's, that's when you get very suspicious is when it's an all cash deal, it's done in secret. Um, and the question is, is, you know, where's the accountability of it? And where did all that money end up? I'm yeah. sure the Iranians, uh, you know, used some of it. It's been reported. Some of it's been used to, uh, support terrorist activities, maybe even their nuclear program. You yes. also wonder, yes. you know, were there any kickbacks? Were there any Westerners that were lobbying for this deal to be done who ended up with money in their pockets as a result? From both sides of the aisle, like you said. From yes. both sides of the aisle. And, you know, if, uh, it's not just one party, obviously. And do uh, uh, you think uh, now that the uh, Donald Trump is in office, you know, uh, things will, uh, I mean, let me use this term, uh, things will be more uh, cleaner. I mean, how will it be more stable? It will be, would, of course, we have groups like yours, the watch, great watchdog. Uh, will government be more accountable to us? That's the hope, right? That's, that's uh, the hope. That's definitely the hope. And I think that, that, you know, there are, what I like is that Trump is a dis- disruptor. And the, the sort mm. of old ways of doing things in Washington have been shaken up. And I think even people that, you know, maybe voted for Hillary Clinton or don't like Trump, uh, I think they even need to admit that, yeah, things in Washington are are not business as usual. And I think that is a healthy thing. Uh, You know, the question comes as we go down the road, 
I have no doubts that, you know, Trump's family is going to be offered sweetheart deals. And, and as I talk about in my book, Secret Empires, right. you know, don't take those deals. It's going to be tempting. It's very tempting for everybody. But don't take those deals. So, you know, we're 15 months in. And, um, you know, let's see uh, over the next couple of years how things go. But I think it's good that, that things are disruptive. I think that things being a little bit unstaken, uh, uh, you know, unstable or shaken up in Washington, D.C., is a healthy thing because the, the corrosive culture that's been there for so long has been very, very bad for the country. It's been good for the political class. They've all done very, very well financially, but it's bad for the rest of the country. Wow. So uh, it would have been status quo, I think, if uh, Hillary were the one. But nothing would change. Yeah, Maybe absolutely. no question. No question. Business. No question. Not, what do they say? Business as usual. You know. Yes. So uh, yeah. that, that, that's pretty bad. Now, how do you find? You know, aside from what you being, uh, you know, a, a great uh, investigative journalist, investigative and your, your political consultant as well. How do you find? How do you find time to do all these these, these books? And, and people, let me tell you about these books. Is uh, uh, you can see there's a lot of a lot of time and energy. Oh, someone's I got a call already. Let's see if I can handle this on the new. Hang in there, Peter. I should get it right on the new phone right here. Oh, this is Streetwise. Hello, this is Streetwise. Can I help you? Hello. Yes, this is Streetwise. Uh, yes, I'm yeah, calling from Belmore. I'd like to speak to Peter Schweitzer. Oh, he's on. You, you, can you hear the call, Peter? Yes. Oh, good. Yes. Um, what's your name, uh, uh, caller from Belmore? Bob from Belmore for Peter. What's your question, uh, Bob? Yeah, I, my question, I've read the, uh, I've read Clinton Cash and Extortion, mm. and I know the, uh, with all the research he's done, the FBI, uh, CIA, they have all this information too, and if 18% of the people are only happy, uh, how are we going to turn around and get more people to be outraged into corruption in mm. Washington? And, and they seem to accept it. Is there any hope for the future? Well, Bob, let me just say this before Peter jumps in. It's, we're very fortunate to have, to have Peter's uh, watchdog group. Uh, and then go ahead, Peter. I, uh, yes. Yeah, no, I, it's, I, it's, I it's agree a, a thousand percent. I applaud him. Hmm. But I'm saying, I, I, I just think we've gotten to the point of these people are untouchable. Uh, you know, you go back hmm. to Clinton. Since he, I've read six or seven books on the Clintons. Go back to when he was the Attorney General before Governor of Arkansas. Him and his family should have been in jail. I don't think they'll ever get him. I just, like I said, I applaud his books. I intend to get his new book. That's just out. Oh, great. I, well, what is it going to take to wake up the American people that, that, that these people don't get prosecuted? Well, they, they, they don't. I hope he. I hope he can answer that. What What will it take to get them prosecuted? Is pretty much the, the question. Thanks, thanks, Bob. Well, look, yeah, yeah, great, great call. Thank you, Bob, for calling, and, and I'll I'll try to answer it uh, uh, briefly here. I've got a, a another interview. I've got to jump to here in a few minutes. But um, the, the the caller makes a good point and 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 a question that is difficult and frustrating for people, which is. There's all this evidence of corruption. Why are there no prosecutions? Uh, and I think the reason part of it is, is because there is this political class that protects 
uh, themselves. Now, look, in the case of the Clintons, uh, the Wall Street Journal reported that the FBI launched an investigation involving five field offices based on the Clinton cash book. I know that that investigation is ongoing and continuing. Uh, the holdup, again, this was reported. This was yeah, I'm sorry, Peter. Go ahead. Oh, okay, yeah. Peter, we have another call for you. Yes, and what's your name and where are you calling from? Okay, no, Peter's on. Uh, go ahead. Your, your question, uh, Jack, for Peter. You able to hear that question, uh, Peter? No, I, I it was fading out. Oh, I know you're fading out. You got to speak a little louder. Uh, but I, I think that uh, it has to do with Goldman Sachs and what's and. Right. Yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot of questions that have been raised about uh, Robert Mueller um, because of his commercial ties, um, you know, his actions when he was not FBI director and some of those actions when he was in the FBI. Uh, look, I think in, in terms of an independent counsel, uh, Robert Mueller was probably sort of the best candidate you were going to get. I was somebody who said at the beginning this ought to be looked into, but I think it's was pretty clear after a few months, and I think it's very clear now, uh, there is no evidence of Russian collusion that it took place. And uh, I think the question now becomes, you know, is Mueller going to uh, wrap this thing up and say, look, I looked into it, you know, we found these things, uh, you know, that involved, um, you know, people that worked on the campaign and, and uh, uh, you know, the sort of financial uh, issues, uh, you know, that came up and they've charged a couple people on, on tax issues, et cetera. Um, but are we going to wrap this up and, and drop it or um, are we going to try to segue into looking to a whole host of other issues? And I think if he chooses that, uh, it's going to get, um, you know, pretty uh, quickly apparent to a lot of people that this more resembles, you know, they're in search of trying to find a crime rather yeah. than uh, focusing on the original uh, purpose. Um, and, and with that, I'm going to have to jump. I've got okay. another interview that's scheduled, but it's, it was great to be on with you. Thank you. Thank you, so Thank you Peter. And uh, hopefully I can answer some of the questions that have been uh, directed to you. Peter, well, my guess is Peter Schweitzer. You got to just, uh, just give us the, uh, again, for where uh, the listeners can find you, the uh, website yeah. again, Peter. You can go to uh, the secretempiresbook.com, which will tell you about their current book, or you can go to cronyism.com, which is the Government Accountability Institute. Great. Peter Schweitz is my guest. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon, thanks, I hope. Thanks, Okay. Yes, thanks. Uh, God bless. Stay well. Okay. Uh, interesting. Okay. Now, uh, if you want to call in, I guess I'll take calls. Now, I have someone here in the studio, and uh, Richie, you, you came in here. Well, uh, just want you to pop in, put a headphone on, and then we'll, I want to get your opinion, you know, on your thoughts, and well, maybe you had a potential question. Rich, yeah, just sit there. You were at the studio, and uh, uh, I know you wanted to ask a, a question. Uh, Rich Ornstein, which uh, you're familiar with him. He's been my co-host uh, several times, and uh, I think I just got unplugged. I, I'm back on the air. 
So uh, with Richie Ornstein, Richie, uh, I know you wanted to ask Peter Schweitzer some questions, but he had a book. So, uh, but people may still call in, and uh, you and I can maybe handle it if if we can. But I, if I can't, that's why you're here to answer all these these, these tough questions. Your, your thoughts on uh, uh, Rich Rich Ornstein? You you got to put your headphone on, of course. Your your, your thoughts on uh, Peter Schweitzer and, and the work that he's doing with his. Uh, think tank and research uh, institution. We're lucky we have someone like him, right, Rich? Fantastic, man. I'll tell you, he would have been a great detective. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> How he went through all the work that he did to make sure that everything was accurate. And, and my, my things with Peter were a few questions that I had in my mind. Uh, Not everybody would think about this naturally and hopefully. Uh, first of all, how did he do his investigations? How did he know that everything was accurate? And did he ever feel... Uh, threatened by anyone. Yeah, I missed that question. Yeah, Very be, important question. Yeah, because, Lou, as Very you well important. know, in, in uh, law enforcement, certain things that you do, and even in the media, that if you're going to be touching on sensitive ground, people may be offended, and uh, even if it's accurate. So I wonder how he would react to that. And one of the other questions I wanted to ask Peter, and I will ask him at some time, would he have liked to run for office of some sort? Oh, he's been asked. I've seen his bio. Yeah, he's a professional journalist. He has no interest. Uh, he's like, he is an investigator. He's about the investigator uh, report. Actually, the hired as pretty much as investigators to, to research all these things that he has in his books, you know. So I don't think he'd want to be, uh, would you say, uh, run for office? He, any type of office. Uh, you know, some, I don't think he wants to be part of that swamp. Well, the reason why I say that it would be like, Undercover, you might say, that that uh, he's going to be able to try to straighten things out or put people on the right road and show what's supposed to be proper and what's not proper. Because, as you were discussing with him, corruption is rampant in, in politics, and, and it's unfortunate because these are the people that make decisions for us, and we know how they bend to certain groups just to get a vote. That's all they care about. Well, Rich, for the right road... Uh, Bishop uh, Novus Paul will be coming on. He'll direct people how to get on the right road. <laughs> and they're definitely going to be politicians. But, but uh, you you I, know it. And, and, and I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Bishop Porter, or Pastor Porter, whatever you want to, yeah. uh, whatever his title is, is one fantastic person because I really you know, enjoy everything that he does. And I was never really into gospel until he trained me. And his words of wisdom are so good because I get calls from people all over that would love to speak to him and find out different things about the way he thinks and why he thinks. And Lou, also knowing that he grew up in the correction facility, that he was a correction man, and he worked for the Department of Corrections, so he knows what the law is all about. And and I also got to thank him for always mentioning the New York Veteran Police Association and his support for police and fire and emergency service. He's one exceptional gentleman, uh, unusual. we got to get back to the show, Rich. Okay, he is. Uh, okay. Thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Rich. Uh, you know, the caller called in. It was a great call, Rich. I'm sorry. Yes. Peter Schweitzer. He wanted to know, uh, you know, what... Uh, in the uh, Cleveland Swamp, is, uh, is, uh, does he feel, uh, especially uh, Goldman Sachs, Goldman, you know, is, is are there going to be any arrests with that? I, you and I are not as familiar as the caller is on in regard to that. The, but that, again, what, what uh, Peter Schweitz was saying, they all have their hand in, you know, and that's why that's why I asked that question. It's not why they're jumping boat, Rich. They're leaving now because they know, they know 
Donald Trump is going to clean the swamp. So the uh, the caller, who was Jack, won the question. He wanted to know, like Bernie Sanders had said uh, about the corruption and uh, Goldman Sachs. You know, does he feel Trump is going to? Uh, what's your thought? I think Trump is going to do something in regard to that. I believe he's going to touch every base possible. And Lou Talano, as you recall, when he was running for office, he's not going to tip his hand. He's not going to be able to let you know what he wants to do. When people were asking him investigative questions, what would you do in this case, in that case? And he gave a great answer that cops would give. Uh, not tell you. That's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to keep it quiet, and I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to take care of things when it's the proper time without telling people about it. And and that's what I think is the proper thing to do. And he's doing it right now. And Lou, like people say, what is he going to do about uh, Hillary and this and that? I said, the first thing he's going to do is not tell you about it. Correct. He's going to do it when it's necessary, when he feels that he has the proper timing and the proper people on the side. You know what it is? I do on a, on a show here, Rich. I get a lot of questions. Why well, come, come Donald Trump doesn't do A and then B and C? All of us have our own target that we would like him to do. One of them, obviously, is, uh, you, know, you, you know, with the uh, email scandal with Hillary, and that's a lot of corruption there. And, and but like now, uh, Comey is doing a tour and he has a book, and Comey is revealing things that we should not be privy to in his book. And while he's being interviewed, here's a guy who ran the FBI, and yes, he's mentioning things that, Rich, you just said it, Trump wouldn't let anybody know, but right now, he's letting us know uh, what's going on in the inner workings of a great law enforcement agency, which is which is embarrassing, which tells me Trump was right with this guy, you know? And people were telling me, close friends of mine and yours too, Rich, uh, the FBI, the greatest law enforcement organization in the country, in the world, and Trump shouldn't do that. But let me tell you something. He's correct. The head of the FBI, they were dirty in plain English. We used that on the job that time. He was he was uh, dirty in his collusion. Talk about Russian collusion. Comey's collusion and that whole group with the Hillary and Obama crew. There's no doubt. In the, there's no doubt what you said is so true. And that's why Trump is the way he is. Matter of fact, you just said it. The FBI was one of the greatest organizations in the world. And this man tells of every reason why someone should be arrested. And then he says he's not going to have any charges. So right away, you don't have to be in law enforcement or an attorney to know that that wasn't proper. You're right. So that, that was one of the things that tarnished that organization. And I met a lot of FBI agents, and they're fantastic, and they're great people. But when somebody like that at the head acts like that and says things like that and now comes out with a book, and it's, again, I hate to say it, it's all about money. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's making all types of money with the book and using Trump. You see, Donald Trump mm -hmm. happens to be someone that everybody wants to attach their name to from show business to politics because when you mention his name, right away you're going to get a following and people are going to write about you. You're rich. I just got to, I mean, that's a great name for you, even though you're not. Maybe you are rich. But the thing is that uh, <laughs> everyone that seems to be aligned, Trump is like a magnet. Of course, he's made money all his life. Still making money, you know, with his businesses, obviously. And uh, so people that get connected to him, connected to him, except you and I. <laughs> Rich, how did that happen? You know, <laughs> well, because we're from the Lower East Side, we don't how, know what to do. How did that happen? You know, we're doing always doing for for what? 
for love, whatever the heck. But we, we did it because we thought that we did it actually um, I had to be, uh, for the goodness of our hearts. We felt he would be the better person. That's why we did it. There's no doubt about it. And, and uh, being a businessman, and he's been on all different sides. He's handled politicians way before he wanted certain things that he did uh, passed. And he understood what was going on. So he, he was on both sides. There's no doubt about it. But he did it in a gentlemanly fashion, and he did it the right way, in my opinion, that is, even though there are a lot of people that talk against him, and they have their opinions. And when I hear people in the press saying, he should do this, he should do that, I'm they saying, do that. this man is the president. I think he knows what to do. Lewin, when he was running for office and he's talking about construction, I'm saying, how does this man know about construction? He's talking about woodwork. He's talking about plastering. He's talking about painting. He's a businessman. How about because he started from the bottom, he worked his way up, and he knows how to drive the tractors and the whole thing. He was with them. He was with the workers. In fact, if you go back to his history, uh, that was his friends in his world, the construction people that, that his dad hired to use to do buildings and construction. He found that they were, you know, it's ironic because he found they were better people. The, the, the blue-collar, average, hard-working guy were better people to deal with. They're the ones that actually put them in office, Rich. Think about it. Right? You're, you're right. And, and you see his expressions are very New Yorkish that we understand uh, when he makes comments about different people. We understand it. Some people in other places may say, how could a president say that? I'm sure every president has said a lot of things that they wouldn't want the public to know. But he he shoots from the lip, he shoots from the hip, and that's one of the things I like about him. And when other people have advice for him, I'm saying, isn't this amazing? The man is the president, the billionaire. He worked his way up, even though his father had money at the very beginning. He was very, very successful. When you talk about dealing with other countries, name any any politician that dealt with countries like he did before he went into politics. He knows what's going on. He knows how to handle people. He's, uh, in my opinion, I think he's doing a great job at this time. Right. By the way, uh, my guest, Peter Schweitzer, had to leave. And that's not him that I'm having a conversation with. It's, it's Rich, Richie Ornstein. I'll just remind you. Richie is, and I'm sure everyone up there knows who uh, Little Richie. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, but Little Richie had a lot of big records. Hey, man. <laughs> I, I, I know. Hey, uh, Richie's so great behind the mic, obviously, because he was with uh, the great Joe Franklin for over three decades, aside from working with uh, the famous uh, Jack Wayne. Yeah, thank uh, you. Uh, yes. You, you know, so you got, uh, that's why you pretty much know what's going on in this. Uh, in this crazy mixed-up world that uh, you know that we're in now, what do you think about just bounce a little few? Because I know you were when I had the guest last week. I had all these young college kids. It's it's, it's sad. And I don't want to be critical of them, but they just don't know what's happening. And how do we say that it's without insulting their parents or them? Is that they? Uh, I don't think their direction is, uh, and their uh, I, I know their motive is is on target. They run out of school. You know, and uh, I, you always say, well, what is that? What are they going to gain from that? What are they going to gain from that? Just by leaving school and, and, and demonstrating, uh, you know, about no, uh, get rid of guns and, you know, and uh, things like that. Well, I'm going to go down memory lane to Woodstock, New York, when there was free love and people meeting people and running all over the place and demonstrations. Uh, to me, the kids are going out, they're having a good time. It's like going to a rock and roll show, not knowing anything that's going on today, I'm saying. Because when you talk about disarming people, when you talk about what's going on in school, by having a demonstration, that's not going to make people stop carrying 
guns or drugs to school. That's not the thing. It's law enforcement that's going to do it. When you were talking about teachers being armed, I agree with you. I believe that if a teacher is qualified and wants to carry a, a, an arm, uh, be armed with something, a gun or whatever it would be, I think that it's okay as long as the person's qualified. And now I'll go down memory lane. When I was going to high school, I had a few teachers that used to be cops. They were carrying guns in school, and we didn't have any trouble. I believe if someone's qualified, they have the right. The kids today, they mean well. They're brought into this situation. They don't understand. By a demonstration, it's not going to stop a crazy person from doing something. Yeah, you, you know, my, my point was with one of the kids, their mom was a little angry at me. And because uh, they're locked in to, to what they believe. I can't blame them. And you're not going to move them even a, a front-end load. You're not going to move their, their opinion because I even against the adult, in the, the adult in the room beside me, I guess I'm an adult, you know, who... Uh, or who had her opinion, teachers should teach and should educate. And I said, that's fine, but we're not living in that, we're not living in that same world today. Yeah, I, I will don't, and I'm going to mention this again. If she's listening, she might get pissed at me. I would not sacrifice my kids, grandkids, nieces, and nephews, or your kids, or anybody's kids, right. to prove a point. You know, just to prove a point, teachers should not have guns. No, it's, uh, if they can protect our kids, any kids in there now, and they're willing to do it. And of course, obviously, like you said, Rich, uh, they have to be trained. That's that's really basic. We all know that. So I don't even know why people even mention that. Of course, we're not going to give a teacher a gun, and not all of them are going to want to carry it anyway, Rich. But the other group of people, educators, that I talk to, they would love to. And I got to tell you this off the record: hoping they get in trouble. Some of them are carrying guns because they have gun permits, right. and they do. And they're, and they're not. I'm not going to say we're not state. I'm not saying local or national. You know. But they are strapped, you know, and nobody knows it but them. So, but they figure, besides from saving their kids, which they don't want to die either. Exactly. You know. So uh, it's 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 uh, again. They you said it before. They mean well. They think well. They're they're thinking. You know, uh, can we say very liberal or very, you know, uh, I I don't know what it is, but to be realistic, we know being both cops. We have to be realistic, you know, and uh, the person, hey, walk softly, carry a big stick. But uh, I know the mom was mad at me last week, and, and so was the uh, the lady that ran the meeting because I spoke uh, since that time, and she still wants to debate guns, no guns, and all that stuff. And it, But I just told her, your opinion is your opinion, mine is mine, and whoever calls in is theirs. So there's nothing to debate about. You're not going to change, and I'm not going to change. So, uh, you know, so uh, beating a dead horse, as they say. Well, Lou, I agree with everything that you said, and I thought that was a terrific show. Even with the controversy, it was fine because people are allowed their opinion. But I agree with you. If someone is qualified and they want to carry, which a lot of teachers don't, they should be able to. Because, like you said, if, God forbid, you get some crazy person coming into the school, it doesn't even have to be a student, it could be anyone, you want to be able to be protected. And we're dealing in a different time when you say the school is there to teach you. If you go down memory lane, if you remember growing up back in the 1950s, they had air raid drills in high school, in, in junior high school, in public school, mm -hmm. besides doing Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of the, of the day. 
and uh, you were told to hide under your desk. They had civil defense workers with with with, with uh, armbands to show you what to do. They were trying to protect you. That was the idea. It was protection for the kids. The same thing, except like you said, things have changed today. They became a little more drastic, so you have to answer the same way. And when you have a drug-free zone or a gun-free zone, you're opening up the area for people with guns and drugs. That's exactly what you're doing. So I believe that you're correct, that that if a teacher is qualified and wants to carry, absolutely nothing the matter with it. Uh, well, again, that's again. We both uh, agree. Some people are not going to agree, but I want to. It's not worth the gamble, you know. It's really not worth the gamble. And uh, and, and you and I know from experience, uh, these people know. You know, if it's easy pickings, they're going to do it, and that's why in our time, who were the mugging victims? Senior citizens, Correct. right? They were the mug. They were the victims. So you know, it's just it's what you know. Uh, what's available, and, and, and that's a target. So they know, and you just said it. Hey, it's a no, it's a free gun or no gun zone, and uh, right. Uh, hey, so the only one who's going to have a gun is the bad guy. You know? Without a doubt, it, it opens up the door for that those type of people, and they look for the weakest link, and that's exactly what it is. Like you say, they look for a senior citizen, someone that's disabled to take advantage of them. That's what happens. But school is there to learn. There's no doubt about it. But today, it's a little different than it was 10, 20, 30, 40, and go down memory lane. It's a different story, and that's why you have to protect yourself in a different way. Well, that's why in the city of New York, they have school security. They don't have guns, but they do have metal detectors. You know, so what's that for? Keep the guns out and the knives out. Same thing. Exactly. And then they're talking about having the... uh, Backpacks that you could see through today, visible uh, backpacks. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't see what that's all about unless you're selling those backpacks. I mean, I don't see how that's going to help anything because someone that's going to try to commit a crime is going to bury it somehow, and or they're going to have it hidden someplace else, not in the backpack. You, you know, also there's a, other controversies. If you have a backpack for the kids and it's not related to what you're doing, you shouldn't have a backpack. What's it? You know, you used to carry your lunch in a bag. Well, of course, we need lunch in school too. But some of the kids have backpacks. It's not their school books. You're you know? right. It's not related to what they're doing or connected, you know, to to their function as a student in school. So that's another another thing to look at. You know, uh, you know, it's like you go through. Uh, uh, I get on a plane. You know, you carry on this examine. You know, so. Uh, uh, I don't know. So that was that was a little controversial uh, last week, and I'm still getting uh, some uh, some calls on it, text messages and emails. And uh, but Richard, good question with Peter Schweitzer, who was exposing all these corrupt politicians in his great best-selling books. And I'm sorry I missed that. I wish you would have grabbed grabbed it or called or whatever, and uh, and remind me because it is in my notes. I see ever been threatened. It's really good point. Yeah, well, you worry about these things because people are threatened from newspapers and magazines that write an article and somebody feels that uh, that it wasn't correct or something like that. And we could go down memory lane and go back to gangsters that they didn't like things written about them. Uh, But here's a man who's an investigative reporter, investigative writer, you know, and, and he's talking about major, major names. So I would think somewhere down the line someone's going to object, I would think. Right. I want to, again, I, I like to 
these people who are investigative reporters that are in the political world. I wanted to ask him what's his thoughts on what happened with Judge uh, Scalia. Okay. Scalia. I just, you know, it's just a, it's like God with the wind. Lou, I'll tell you, you mentioned that, and I think you are 100% correct because that's an investigative detective mind, what you said, what you asked, because it seemed to go away. And that was something that it's, if you were working on it, you wouldn't allow it. Prospect. You'd want to find more, more about it. You want to get the doctor's reports. You want everything about the person. Right. I think they cremated them right away, too, Rich, if I'm not mistaken. You're right. Yeah, they did that, too. I, uh, every, the whole thing smelled. I hope somebody opens up that, that, that case. Uh, but it's not a case, you know, or that, that incident. You know, He goes to summer home, which he had no business being there, as the, far the as we know. But, you know, it wasn't the time of the year. And they find him dead, DOA, there. And, uh, you know, and that's it, you know. And, uh, you, you know, what, what I said on the, uh, on the show here that I see that's coincidental, but, again, that's the mind and the, what we've done all our lives and the job that we've done, is that uh, when Hillary said she wants to, to continue, uh, you know, Barack Obama's legacy, in fact, she said she's going to continue. In fact, she's going to appoint him to as a U.S. Supreme Court judge. And the reporter said to her, how could that be? It's a full house. There are no vacancies. Right. Two weeks later, there's a vacancy. Lou, you bring up a great point, and my suggestion is when you speak to Peter Schweitzer again, you mention it to him off the record, on the record, and the I record. guarantee you the that, that he will uh, probably look into it because you bring up a very, very good point. And in, in fact, in, in his books, he talks about uh, the Clinton's corruption. Uh, and I didn't get into that. Bribery, extortion, and possible murder. He talks about that in his books. Yeah. You know? So, so you know, uh, so what's he saying? He's saying they would do anything to get where they are or where they want to still be. That's true. And you bring up some very good points. I'll tell you this. I wish I worked with him, his partner. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would have been the commissioner. I oh. mean, this man is really a, a sharp person that knows everything. He knows how to touch the right bases and get the proper information. Uh, you know, and, and then again, uh, it's a good question. Aside from him physically or... Uh, the whole organization itself, you know, they form this corporation. And these, they have a, an office and they have a staff and everything. That's their function, right? you know. Uh, you know, I wonder, another good question I would think I'll ask him, uh, did Trump ask you to do this? Did Donald Trump ask you to help me clean the swamp? <laughs> Lou, great point. Great no. point. And when you speak to him, I'm sure he's going to come back on the show because okay. he loved it, and he's a gentleman, and you did a great job with him. But those are things that I think he's going to touch base on. Right. Does he have a, a, his own personal agenda? Or, you know, did he have lunch with Donald Trump or dinner like oh he said the other guys did? Don't start another investigation, Lou. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rich, we're out of time, and then we've got the, uh, the, the – uh, now we're going to get some spiritual awakening here, right? Norris Porter, the bishop, is going to be sitting where I'm sitting or where you're sitting, Rich. Rich, thank you for filling in for Peter Schweitzer. And I could never fill in for him, but I thank you you for having me in as a guest. I appreciate it. And stay tuned for the great Pastor Porter. You're going to have a great time. All right. This is uh, Lou Talano. Thanks for listening to Streetwise, and I'll catch you later.